I get to follow that. <laughs> a newspaper reporter went to interview a successful entrepreneur and asked, how did you do it? How did you make all this money? I'm glad you asked, an entrepreneur said. Actually, it's a wonderful story. You see, my wife and we were married. We had a roof over our heads, some food in the pantry, and five cents between us. So I took that nickel, went down to the grocery store, bought an apple, and shined it up, and sold it for ten cents. Do we not have video? Well, imagine an apple. (laughs) And the reporter thought, this would be a really good, interesting, human interest story. You know, like the show at the end of David Muir every night. So he said, well, that's really great. Then what happened? He said, there's one apple, two apples. He said, my father-in-law died and left us $20 million. <laughs> There we go. That man prospered not because of his own ingenuity or, he w- or of his own will, but because he was connected. Jesus wants his followers to get connected to him and stay that way. And our success in the faith will not be based on our own ingenuity or our cleverness or our strength or our stamina. Our success in the faith through the fruit we will bear will depend on our being connected to the true vine. Now when Jesus spoke about vineyards, certainly people could identify with that metaphor, even as a person in Iowa knows about corn and a person in Mississippi knows about cotton. It didn't make any difference whether they were in the business. They had grown up around it enough to know what a vineyard was. A vineyard was a symbol of their nation. Here in the United States, we might think of amber waves of grain, but in Judea, they thought of themselves as a vineyard. It's a kind of a national identity. And over and again in the Old Testament, Israel is pictured as the vine or the vineyard of God. Isaiah the prophet pictured Israel as the vineyard of God. He said, the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. In Jeremiah, we read God referring to his chosen people in this way. I planted you as a choice vine. Hosea spoke a word of judgment when he said Israel has become an empty vine. Josephus, the Roman historian, informs us that over the temple in Jerusalem was carved an exquisite gold leaf grapevine. It stood as a symbol of national unity. And in the eyes of the people, Israel itself was the true vine whose roots went all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So in Jesus' analogy, he likens himself to a vine while the fruit-bearing branches were his followers. God the Father is depicted as the vine dresser, the one who cultivates the vineyard. The vine dresser waters and tends the soil and trims and cuts to make sure the crop will grow. This means the vine dresser is also 
the one who removes the dead wood. <laughs> what Jesus is saying is clear. The disciples should receive their strength from Jesus. He is the true vine. And if they break away from him, they will be like unproductive branches that bear no fruit. Vineyard owners tell us that the strongest point on any vine is the place where the vine and the branches connect. If you pull on a branch of a tree, it will break off at the trunk of the tree. In the tree, that's the weakest place. But in the grapevine, that is the strongest point. And that should not surprise us. Christ says to us, I have the strength to provide what you need. I have the strength to hold on to you in the time of testing. I will never let you go. When we are joined to him, we have our source of power, our presence, our purpose, and we live productive lives. Christ is the center of our faith. We declare that we belong to him. We tell people where we have found life. We are extensions of the one who is the source of our life and and vitality. As branches, we are extensions of the vine. We are an extension of Christ. Back in my first call from seminary, I was uh, called to be a campus minister at Lamar University. Uh, It was called the United Christian Fellowship, sponsored by Presbyterians, Disciples of Christ, and the United Church of Christ. My office was in the Methodist Center next door to the Baptist Student Union. (laughs) But I wasn't content to stay in the office waiting for students to come to me. So I had a wooden sign made that said UCF Branch Office. And then I would hang it from a tree branch with my pig nose amplifier and my cassette deck and play music and greet the students. The way to have the students come to me instead of asking me to them to them to well, me go to them rather than asking them. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> and I noticed in our bulletin this morning that we refer to sofa, the School of Fine Arts, children's place, buildings, blocks, as our branch ministries. We are God's branch office. We don't wait for folks to come to us. We go to them. And we stay connected to Jesus, but Jesus goes where we go. You can't go to church. We are the church wherever we go. We are connected. In the late 80s, there was a fire that destroyed a building on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. An alarm was sounded. The trucks and the personnel arrived in time to fight the fire. The exit doors worked properly. The uh, steps were clear. The people got out of the building quickly, in orderly fashion. However, the fire burned out of control and the building had to be demolished because when the firemen arrived, the hoses on the wall were installed properly. There were hundreds of feet in length, clearly sufficient to put the fire out, but it was discovered that the city water line had never been connected to that part of the system. To live a human life disconnected from the living God is tragic. Jesus did more than just come to live among us. He was, that was just the beginning. His mission was designed to allow us to live in him and he with us. He said, I'm the vine. You are the branches. The words we've read from scripture said, remain in me, but I love the word abide. 
He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, it'll be done for you. We are to abide in him. Abiding is a verb. It signifies action, life-giving and receiving. It signifies something is flowing in between us. And that something is life. To be connected means that we also have a presence. We have God's presence in our lives. We're not alone. Someone shares our life. Someone is there for us. There's something about isolation that does something to the human spirit. Whether that's chosen or whether it's caused by circumstances beyond our control. There are all kinds of experiences that... uh, cause us to feel disconnected. Sometimes it's having your children grow up and leave home. Ann and I went through that when our daughter settled her in her dorm room at Texas State in San Marcos. Separation can be overwhelming. I saw there was a luncheon group of older mothers and they called themselves, it wouldn't hurt you to call me once in a while, club. (laughs) I'm a member of the Costco Hearing Aid Club. My hearing aids have a Bluetooth connection to my phone that allows me to carry on conversations without having to hold the phone up next to my ear. I have a tooth in my ears. And sometimes when I'm talking to someone, I leave the room to get something and forget to leave the phone behind and I get out of range and I lose the connection. If I want to carry on a conversation with the person on the other end of my phone call... I have to stay in close proximity to the source of the transmission. And if I want to stay in touch with God, I have to stay connected to Jesus. He is the vine. We are the branches. This is the great secret of life, to be connected to the one true vine who is the ultimate source of power, the one who will never forsake us, the one who will help us live productive meaningful lives we all have a need to be connected to jesus who's the source of our spiritual power but we also need to be connected to each other we need to know that there are people who care about us we need to know that we are not alone to be connected also means to have god's presence in our lives we're not alone someone shares our life someone is there for us That's what's so meaningful about the home groups that some of us are experiencing. Not only experiencing our connection to the vine, but to one another as fellow branchers. One of the most thorough research projects on relationships is the Almeda County Study, headed by a Harvard social scientist that tracked the lives of 7,000 people over nine years. Researchers found the most isolated people were three times more likely to die earlier than those with strong relational connections. People who had bad habits like smoking and poor eating habits, obesity, alcohol use, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. In other words, it's better to eat Twinkies with friends than broccoli by yourself. (laughs) 
John Ortberg in his book, Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them, cited a study reported in the Journal of the American Medical Association where 276 volunteers were infected with a virus that produces the common cold. The study found that people with strong emotional connections did four times better fighting off illness than those who were isolated. These people were less susceptible to colds, had less virus, and produced significantly less mucus than relatively isolated subjects. I'm not making this up. They produce less mucus, which means it's literally true. Unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. For some reason, <laughs> can I have a Kleenex? No. For some reason, a man had stopped attending the services of his church. Noting this fact, the pastor called upon him one winter evening to discuss the matter. As the two men talked, they sat in front of a wood-burning fireplace where the fire burned briskly. During the conversation, the minister casually took the tongs and without comment reached into the flames, removed a brightly glowing ember and laid it at a place by itself at the edge of the hearth. For a while, both men sat in silence, watching the small mass as it gradually lost its glow, darkened, became gray, and then black. The man turned to his pastor and said, I see what you mean, pastor. I'll be in church next Sunday. That man learned an important lesson. Faith is maintained in fellowship. Apart from the fire, the ember cools and dies. But so does faith. Apart from fellowship which nurtures and sustains it. More importantly, apart from the vine, branches wither and die and are thrown into the fire. We may not be connected to a wife who inherits $20 million. We can, however, be connected to a Savior through whom we inherit life eternal because we are part of His branch office of the true vine, Jesus our Lord. Over 20 centuries from the very day of Jesus' resurrection until now, the Christian faith has been kept by association, person with person, people together. Historically, it's even been in, communi- it's been in community that the Word has been preserved. And still today it is in our community that our faith is maintained. Jesus came not only to connect us to God, but to connect us to each other. And He is here connecting us today. Not only must we get connected and stay connected, we need to be connected to each other. So I want to close my sermon with a prayer. And as we prepare to join in prayer, I wonder if I might dare to ask you to connect to someone next to you. Just grab a hand or put a hand on a shoulder as a way of physically demonstrating that we are connected. Let us pray. Lord, you are the source of life that flows to and through us. 
in this sanctuary from the world, we feel a sense of connection to you and one another. Thank you for calling us to be a part of a fellowship so we can draw strength not only from you, but from one another. As we join hands, as we touch each other, may we so fully be cognizant of what it costs you to be connected to us. Because we're not only connected to you, but to each other, we lift to you the prayers of those gathered here. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.